Chapter 34 of History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1, by Knut Gjerset. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 34. The Sons of Eric Bloodaxe, Haakon Jarl, the leader of the aristocracy, loss of national unity and independence. After Haakon's death, the sons of Eric Bloodaxe became kings of Norway. They all bore the royal title, and each maintained his own herd. But Harald Grafeld, the oldest living brother, was regarded as overking. After their father was driven from the throne, they had been in foreign lands, and they were known in Norway mainly as Viking chieftains and as enemies of the country. This, together with the general odium in which Eric and Gunhild were held, made them very unpopular, and they showed no ability to win the people's goodwill by their own conduct as kings. They were disposed to be rash and violent. They showed little wisdom or self-control, and would resort to mean plots and bloody assaults in true Viking fashion. The best one was Harald Grafeld, who seems to have been generous, good-natured, and well-intentioned. The aristocracy, who still held firm to their own inherited rights and privileges, who were opposed to a strong central government exercised by a national king, and watched with more jealousy their own interests than the welfare of the nation, tolerated the new kings, and probably found their unpopularity convenient. As Harold Grofeld and his brothers could find little popular support, their kingship could be little more than an empty title. The aristocracy, who had been compelled to bow under the mailed fist of Harald Harfagra, but who had driven Eric from the throne, and had elected Haakon the Good, could now find new opportunity to fully regain their old prestige and power. Even in Haakon's time, Sigurd Jarl had exercised almost sovereign power in Trondelagen. Now he did not even swear allegiance to the new kings, but ruled his large domain as an independent sovereign. Trygve Olafsson, a grandson of Harald Harfagre, ruled as independent king in Romerike, and in the districts east of the Foldenfjord, Christianiafjord. The districts west of the fjord were ruled by Gudrid Bjornsson, another grandson of Harald, and in Oplenene the Fylkes kings exercised their old unrestricted authority. The sons of Eric were, in fact, kings only in the districts of southwestern Norway, but they aspired to maintain the unity of the kingdom and to rule, as King Harald had ruled, over all Norway. First of all, they would curb the pride and arrogance of the powerful Jarl Sigurd. They enticed to their side his younger brother, Jotgard, and with his aid King Harald Grofeld suddenly fell upon the unsuspecting Sigurd, and burnt him and his men in the house where they were assembled for a feast. Sigurd's son, Haakon Jarl, gathered a large following, and after a struggle lasting for three years he made himself master of Trundelagen. But he was unable to successfully continue the conflict, and fled to Denmark. The kings had also defeated and slain the kings Trygve and Gudrud in southern Norway, and together with their mother Gunhild, they now established their residence in Viken. In 964, King Harald Grafeld made an expedition to the Permians, Bjarmeland, and defeated them on the banks of the Vina, thus pushing the boundaries of Norway to the White Sea, Gondvik. The expedition was much talked of, and was mentioned with praise in the songs of the Skalds. Harald seems to have made an earnest effort to rule well, but the popular ill will was, nevertheless, growing. The brothers had been baptized in England, but they were unable to introduce Christianity in Norway, and undertook instead to destroy the heathen temples and to heap other indignities upon the old religion. This, together with many acts of violence committed especially by the younger brothers, tended to further alienate the people, who complained that the kings did not respect the laws of King Haakon the Good. King Sigurd Sleva was killed by his irate subjects in southwestern Norway. There were crop failures and hard times, and the people blamed the kings, who were thought to have aroused the anger of the gods by their wickedness and misrule. Haakon watched closely the developments in Norway. This able but crafty and unscrupulous Jarl was a more formidable opponent than the kings imagined. 
He was, in all respects, a representative of the old order of things, a strict adherent of the Asa faith, and a champion of the rights of the aristocracy. He despised, no doubt, the new religious tendencies, as thoroughly as he hated the idea of submission to a national king. Harald Blotund, Bluetooth, had succeeded his father Gorm on the Danish throne. Gorm had ruled both long and well, and at the end of his reign Denmark was the most populous and powerful of the northern kingdoms, a circumstance which probably gave rise to the not uncommon misconception that he had brought about the union of the Danish kingdom. His queen was the able and popular Thyra Danbod, who rebuilt Deneverke, a castellated wall stretching across the narrowest part of the peninsula, from the city of Schleswig to the mouth of the river Eider, forming the old boundary between Denmark and Germany. Harald Blotten seems to have emulated his great contemporary Otto the Great of Germany. He was dreaming of empire, and sought to enlarge his possessions, especially in northern Germany, which at this time was inhabited by the Wends, a Slavonic people. In 960 he made an expedition to the mouth of the Oder, where he is said to have won a great jarldom. On the island of Wollen, over against the river mouth, lay the important commercial town Jülen. Close to this town, Harald built a strong castle called Jumsburg which later became famous as the seat of a remarkable body of Viking warriors, the Jumsvikings. Jumsburg was, doubtless, built to protect Julen and the neighboring districts against the Vens. It had a fine harbor where 300 Viking vessels could ride at anchor, and was surrounded by great walls. Harold Blotund, who had received baptism, labored earnestly and with great success to introduce Christianity in Denmark. During his reign, the greater part of the people seemed to have accepted the Christian faith. It was natural that in his efforts to enlarge his kingdom he should also think of Norway as a legitimate field for conquest. The district of Vestfold had been a Danish province since very early times, and circumstances in Norway seemed to offer an opportunity to regain at least this province. A son of his elder brother returned to Denmark from his many Viking expeditions, and claimed a share in the kingdom. He was known as Gold Harald because of his wealth. Haakon Jarl saw his opportunity. He persuaded King Harald to rid himself of this inconvenient rival by seizing Norway, which he then might make a tributary kingdom under the rule of his nephew. The plan was accepted, and Harald Grothfeld was enticed to Denmark, where he was killed by Gold Harald. Now the plotting Hakon Jarl came forward with his real plan. He showed the king that his ambitious nephew would, as king of Norway, be a dangerous rival rather than a faithful vassal. Why not make Hakon Jarl ruler of Norway? He could not aspire to kingship in either country, and all danger of a rival would be averted. After he had come to some sort of understanding with the king, Hawken attacked Gold Harald, who was defeated and slain. The king now set sail for Norway with a fleet of 700 ships. The two remaining sons of Eric Bloodaxe could offer no resistance, but fled to the Orkneys with their mother Gunhild, and Harald Gormson Blothund was hailed as overking of Norway. Hawken Jarl was to rule a large part of the country as King Harald's vassal. According to agreement, he should pay the king a tax amounting to half of the income from the lands which he received, but Hawken reduced it to the nominal sum of 20 falcons a year. King Harald himself ruled Viken through his own jarls, and Oplenena maintained their own autonomy. Trindelagen and Hologoland were Hakon's own patrimony, where he exercised all authority. From the king he received seven filker, Rigefilke, Hordefilke, Sogn, Fjerdefilke, Sundmer, Romsdal, and Nordmer. Norway had ceased to be a united kingdom even under Danish overlordship. Harald Horfager's great work was destroyed. The new rule was welcomed by the aristocracy, who had now regained their former power. Hakon Jarl was one of their own number, and the Danish king's overlordship was a mere name, as he was too far away to exercise any control. Hakon was now very popular. He rebuilt the temples which the sons of Eric Bloodaxe had destroyed, 
and tried as far as possible to establish the old conditions. But nothing is more difficult than the attempt to arrest a development caused by the forces of life and growth. Hawken might rebuild the temples, but he could not revive the old faith. It was dying. In many people's minds it was already dead. The outer forms alone remained. The aristocracy might feel elated over their success, but new thoughts of a national kingdom were germinating and striking roots. Such ideas are in league with destiny. Hawken tried to buttress the old social structure, only to be finally buried under its ruins. For a time he was loyal to his overlord, the king of Denmark. When the German emperor, Otto the Great, died, war broke out between his successor, Otto II, and King Harald Gormson. As a vassal, Hawken was called to Denmark, where he fought valiantly in defense of Donavirke. After the campaign was over, King Harald demanded of Hawken that he should be baptized, and exacted from him a promise that he would introduce Christianity in Norway. Hawken seems to have consented with all desirable alacrity, and on his return, priests went along to do missionary work in Norway. But as soon as he touched the home shore, Hawken drove away the priests and declared himself and Norway independent of Denmark. King Harald made efforts to reconquer the country and to introduce Christianity in Viken. The work of the missionaries which he sent to this district bore some fruit, but he failed in the attempt to regain the lost territory. Harald Blotten died about 986 from a wound received while he was fighting against his rebellious son, Svein Hugesheg, Forkbeard. As soon as Svein became king, he renewed the attempt to subdue Norway. The Jomsvikings, who seemed to have promised to aid him in this undertaking, moved swiftly to the attack with a fleet of sixty ships and an army of professional warriors led by their chief, Sigvalde Jarl. They found Hakon in Hurungavog, near the present city of Alasund, where he had collected 180 ships. But this armament had been gathered in a hurry, and most of the vessels were merchant ships. Hakon was assisted by his sons, Erik, Svein, and Arnljot. A fierce battle ensued, in which Erik Jarl especially distinguished himself both by bravery and generalship. The outcome of the battle was long doubtful. Tradition says that Hakon Jarl even sacrificed his son to the gods to gain victory, but this is no doubt an invention. The Jomsvikings finally suffered a crushing defeat. Twenty-five of their ships were taken, and Sigvalde Jarl made good his escape with the remaining thirty-five. This battle became very famous. Ivan Skaldespieler composed the song Hjallegatal, about Hakon Jarl and his victory, after the pattern of the Inglingatal. To show that Hakon's family, the Haligings, also descended from the gods. Through this memorable victory, Norway had successfully maintained her independence. After the Battle of Hiringuvog, Hakon Jarl exercised full sovereign power, but he did not assume the title of king. As he was now relieved of the pressure of foreign enemies, he paid little heed to the aristocracy, and attempted to rule with all the authority of Harald Horfagra himself. This kind of rule, which the aristocracy had regarded as tyranny when exercised by a national king, they considered as unbearable arrogance in a mere Jarl, who was of no higher lineage than many others of their number. Hakon Jarl's popularity soon waned, and his greed, cruelty, and licentiousness further aggravated the growing discontent. The hearts of the people again returned to the Inglings, who, since King Harald's time, had stood as the representatives of a national kingdom and other progressive ideas. End of chapter 34